Welcome yep. back, everyone, to another episode of Grow Your Path to Wellness. Last week, our guest, if you missed it, was Steph Schaefer, and we talked all about the beauty, power, and influence of books and like how, how they can be tied into our overall wellness. So this week, we have two guests that are joining us. So Tom is back with us for our first episode of our Man Down Men's Mental Health series. And joining him and joining us is Rico Natarino. So welcome back to you both. Happy to be here. All right. Yeah. So I know, um, Tommy, you wanted to kind of give an introduction to what you hope for the series to be and kind of get started in the conversation there. Yeah, so, you know, looking forward to building on this. Uh, the first conversation that we had um, a month or so ago uh, had a really good response. So, you know, talking about building out as a series, we wanted to keep that conversation and that ball rolling. Um, the topic of men's mental health is, is obviously crazy robust. Uh, I know we're going to have a slew of guests that are in the field that professionally deal with this. We're going to have people from diverse backgrounds. We're going to bring different um, opportunities and different topics to this conversation. Um, but this week, you know, we wanted to start um, just, just getting the ball rolling, just keeping it simple. Um, we're bringing on Rico. He's going to talk about some of his experiences and backgrounds um, and who he is, uh, you know, some insight to, to the relationship there. Uh, Rico's a really good, trusted friend of mine. Um, he's a brother of mine, and we've, we've known each other and been through a lot over the years. And uh, I felt he's a very strong person to bring some light to some of the areas of some of the things men deal with when it comes to, to the mental health. Um, you know, and, and as we talk about this conversation, you know, the, the, the big thing to, to note, and I think when I was watching and kind of going through the last video, um, some self-critique is I, I want to always be clear that I'm not a professional and that just an average dude and I'm going to do my best to just bring real people in and people that can really shed some light onto this just from a normal side of the house from um, variant background so um, I hope everybody keeps that in mind when we're talking about some of this because I don't want to get myself lit on fire for something when I'm definitely not a professional but I do do the best to research what I can and try to speak um, with with some educated or some studying behind what I'm talking about, or just some personal experience. So um, with that being said, uh, I want to give Rico the opportunity to introduce himself. My name is Rico Natarino, and I'm 36 years young, come from a uh, single parent household, me, my sister, and my mother. Um, I will put out there, I was an eighth grade dropout, and I ended up getting my GED about 20 years later, and uh, we'll start from there. Yes, that's all I got. What do you now. do now? What do you do now? I'm a high-rise window cleaner, and I own my own company. Dang, good for so you. If you guys don't know, that's like the people that are up on like real tall on the buildings, oh, terrifying you as you're watching them on the. Is it called <laughs> scaffold? I don't know what you're up on. Those real tall scaffolds. All yeah. of it. This is the guy swinging from. He's 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 rappelling down these these big buildings on these ropes. Just just him and a rope Sitting on the board, handling it. It's amazing. And in that role, while terrifyingly that high, he, I've you know seen pictures. I have not been there, obviously, but he's dressed up as like Spider Man for the like the kids' hospital and cheered up their mental health. So I just have to give him that shout out because I was blessed once to do that. Yes. So. Yeah. My gosh, that's amazing. Um, do you mind me asking what company you own, or you like don't have to share that? I don't know. All that's a no commercial cleaning based out of Northeast Ohio. I oh. do 
window cleaning, uh, regular maintenance on buildings, or construction cleaning as well. Very cool. Good for you. Thank you. So, Rico, I want to dive into something. So you talked about, you know, being, you know, raised by a single parent. Um, I had a little bit of escape with that, but it was only, it was intermediately because like my background, my, 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 my mother went through a few, a couple relationships and there was, um, there wasn't, there was time where it was just her, but it wasn't always. So talk about that. Talk about what that was for you. And, and, and how do you think that affected you kind of like glancing back with a little bit of hindsight? Honestly, I was in the beginning, I was so young, nothing really hit me, I guess. I didn't realize that I was too busy having fun or like trying to forget things that even happened. Everything hit me when I got to an older age. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was rough when I got older. It was rougher when I was older, just thinking back on those things and it actually affected me then, you know, definitely had an effect in my school, my, you know, little trouble that I got into when I was younger, but mentally it didn't affect me until I was older, I would say. Are you comfortable I mean, sharing some of what, what's affecting you or what if what you realized was actually affecting you? Watching my family uh, just go through what we went through, you know what I mean? Like the abuse, the moving, the constant moving, just it was, it was bad, you know, just I don't know. It was more along the lines of all the abuse, the moving, all the shit that we did not have to go through. Part of my French. Um, it's like instability, like a lot of instability. And yeah. I heard the abuse, but so that's different. But yeah, a lot of instability. My mother did her best, though. She was a one all the way through. You know, she did. She did her best. Um. Damn, I don't know where to go from there, from that, but, uh... <laughs> no, I just, that's, it's vulnerable to share, and, and it's your yeah, first yeah. time sharing, and I'm sure, like, on a platform like this, so literally, we thank you for anything you share, because you don't have to share anything. Right, And I, no. just, like, from the mental health professional side, what you pointed out is, like, in those moments, we're in survival mode, like, our brains and our bodies are in survival mode, so yeah. our logical brain, our rational brain isn't realizing what's happening until right. you're out of it and settled enough to look yeah. back and say oh wow yeah and you give yourself some time to think about things you know not just sit back and review your life you know yeah the that that saying holds with you know with age comes wisdom um it's it's crazy and it's it's interesting uh you know, just between the last couple or, you know, the last handful of weeks from the last time that I was on the show with you ladies, um, it, doing constant self-reflection and really diving into this topic more and then this, this life more, really trying to figure out how to how to play a real advocate role and how to really understand things. It's made me personally do some some like reflection on myself. And I realized, you know, I'm thinking about something that popped in my head because of what Rico had just said. We're going through some of the things you do when you're growing up and, you know, there's always this, this stigma or, or acceptance. It plays both roles on, you know, your childhood being the effect of how you are now. Some people just don't want to hear it. Some people um, think it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a joke. Other people really believe in it. And, and I think doing some self-reflection um, 
over that time, it's interesting that some of the things that happened when I was younger and how they affected me that I am only just realizing now, you know, with that age, with that wisdom where they weren't, they weren't like these giant traumas, right? Like the giant traumas, it's like I boxed them, I accepted them, you work through them, they are what they are. Um, but it's these little things, it's these tiny little things, like these responsibilities to take care of somebody or these responsibilities that you, 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 um, you, you kind of age through with, um, being a protector, that was mine. That was my my recognition. Like being a protector, looking after my mom, hoping my mom was okay, seeing her struggle through some of the things she struggled. Um, at times when, you know, being an older brother, things like that, having to protect my siblings. And I realized like I've carried that through and it's almost like it's it's all the time now, you know, to the point where I even, I even fight with my wife over it because it's like, I'm just naturally want to protect her. And she's a strong, independent woman. She can handle it. But it's hard for me to let that go. And it really like, it affects me, it bothers me. And, um, you know, being a protector like that, like, especially the, your parents and siblings, like you never think that you know, to me, that was normal. It was always very normal. Um, but now I realize it was actually kind of a problem. Like it's if I if I were to do it and raise a child differently, I'm I'm aware of that. And I'd be very careful on how to steer that because being a protector is great. Right. Taking care of people you love is, is a good thing. Um, you know taking that approach from a man's perspective of, of making sure that you're, you're being a guardian and you're, and you're doing that thing that you're just naturally meant to do is good, but it's weird how it can affect you. Something so normal. I don't know. Rico, do you have siblings? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, have I was going to say, we call those little T's too. <laughs> yeah. There's like big T trauma and then there's little T trauma. That's like the chronic little ones over time. So I yeah. just wanted to point that out because that's really what you identified. Okay. Oh, sorry. You asked if I have siblings, right? Yeah. I have one sister from the same mother and father, and I actually have three half-brothers that I actually did not know I had until I was probably roughly around 12 years old. So that came, you know, that alone is some little bit of trauma yourself, you know, when you, damn, I had three brothers and I didn't know, you know, type thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Can imagine that. I, I, well, actually, I can't imagine that. I don't even know what that would feel like. Like just randomly have a brother pop out of the out of and just at your doorstep. You come home from your friend's house and just like, bam, here's your brother. It's like, oh, damn, they look like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. Hold on, what is going on? Joking. <laughs> Do you mind me asking, Rico? What like for you? Was it a similar? Because it brought up a topic for me that, like, I talk about with, like, in my own professional realm with my own clients on the types of roles, which are often, you know, dysfunctional, but they form for a reason, whether it's survival, protection, you know, to keep the peace or whatever. But, like, I heard, you know, Tommy, I heard you say you, you felt like you took on that that protector role in the house as as a, as a male. And I grew up, you know on my from a woman's perspective of you know my mom later kind of I think it was elementary school both of my parents got into different relationships but like I never remember them ever being together um and one half of one of my parents relationships was very dysfunctional some alcoholism and, and such but anyways so I took on as a as a female and I had three brothers I took on my role that I felt like I took on looked different and it brought up, and I don't know if this is like a gendered thing or if it's just a household thing. So 
do you mind sharing like if you felt like you took on a kind of role in your house? I, I did. I absolutely did. Um, it was kind of part of my reasoning for dropping out of school. Yeah, I was a young kid that didn't want to be there, but I ended up working full time starting at the age of 14 at a local pizza shop. I was lucky enough that I grew up with, you know, my friend, his parents owned the pizza shop. So they allowed me to work and they got with my mother. They knew, you know, everybody knew I wasn't going to school. So mm-hmm. why not go to work and help pay some bills? So, yeah, protector, definitely, especially over my little sister. Mm-hmm. as well but yeah i think that just comes naturally i don't think that's a gender thing i think it's whoever has the ability in them to do it and wants to do it yeah or has to do it will, will do it absolutely thank you for sharing that like for oh. me i seen myself taking on like not peace kind of peacekeeper but i was kind of a, a blend of what we call like the perfectionist and like peacekeeper it was like what up what do I need to do? What can I channel myself in to be like, look at this, look at this, this is good, right? Like, and whenever things were kind of chaos. So less of like protector for me, but more of like, what can I do? What do I need to do? Whether Like it's the cheerleader almost too. Like, look, this is why it's important to keep going. Look at all the exciting right. things. Come on, we can do you this. Yeah. Show up to something together and, and get along. Look, it's really good. This is, you know, I did something really good. Can you guys like both be there? Like it was... I've noticed that for myself. So I didn't want to like, I didn't know if there was any kind of gender perspective or anything on that, but it was interesting so it sparked that in my mind. Yeah, I, I think a lot of some of the stuff that was passed on to me when, well, when it wasn't a natural, just kind of like picking up the the pieces, I, you know, I specifically remember, um, I specifically remember Matt so many different times. Matt is my is my stepfather, but in all intents and purposes, he's my father. He's been the biggest impression in my life. He's my hero. But many, many times growing up where he's got to protect, you got to take care of your mom. Don't let anything happen to your mom. Make sure you're protecting your mom. You, if I'm not here, you're the man of the house. Like, if you got to take care of your brothers, you got to take care of your family, you know? And it was always like, make sure that you do that, right? And that was coming down from my father figure. Um mm-hmm. So I know that there was some impression on me, but actually, you know, thinking back on it now from being raw and vulnerable about it, that actually centered it, I think, a little bit that that gave it purpose, like versus the the feeling of having to because we were in some kind of a crisis mode or there was some trauma going around or, or some some crisis going around with the family that put a, a perspective and more of a, a tutelage to it. Right. It's like, here, this is what this means to do this. This is how you need to be the man. This is what you got to do to take care of people, you know. Like regardless of what's going on, right? Like right. chaos, you know, this is still your, you know, your foundation. This is your role. This is what it, you need to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. It, it's interesting because there's like a calm in that, you know, where it's like he mastered it. I have no. I have not at all mastered it. Thirty going on thirty-seven years old. I haven't mastered that that technique, but. He can uh, he can sit down in the in the middle of, of a crisis situation and just be the pillar, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how he's feeling. It doesn't matter what he's going through. It doesn't matter what 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 the situation may be for him at all. He's gonna be right there as the pillar and hold the house up. And that's always been the case. It's interesting. I think that's what we end up. And Kelsey, I know we talk a lot about this, like you know, in our own practice, we have people that will see that will say, "Well, I feel like I should be." I feel like I need to be, 
And, and we're like, who's saying that to you? Is that your voice? And it's typically either a parent voice, mm-hmm. a societal voice of some kind, or a religious voice. Those are like the three that I personally see concretely. So it sounds like Matt. And of, of course, like I love Matt. And he was doing the best he could with what he had, right? So he was like, I need to make sure that everyone's protected. And the next person I have is the oldest son. So I'm going to pass that role on to him. Not realizing that we carry those things with us. And it's how, it's like the schema we live for our life. It's like mm-hmm. our, now our worldview is based on my role as the protector. And until you get older and you do your own work and realize like, oh, but I don't always have to be. Like, I, I'm an adult now. I can make my own decisions. Yeah, and that's that's honest. I still don't know how not to be. I, I don't know. I don't know how to not like just pick up and do things. I mean, Rigo, you mind if I share some some insights with some of our conversations? I'll do my best to be easy. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So we we've talked. We you know he's he, Rico tends to be one of my go tos. He's he's the he's the guy that I lean on when we gotta like talk about real life stuff that we can't really we feel like we can't really speak to anyone else. You know, our significant others or anybody else. We just we need to get this stuff off. Um, and we, we've talked in the past about, um, what we recognize and, and, and this goes beyond our immediate relationships. Um, what we recognize is this difference where, we, and, and I, I constantly am trying to put the dots together. Um, but we recognize this difference in what seems to be between men and women. And this is our perspective. So this isn't a generalization. This is our perspective where we are naturally always considering what to do for the other person we're always doing this thing where we're considerate to we're gonna put ourselves second and make sure you're first um you know that can go to our to to strangers to our family to other people um the most the most impactful and the obvious one is to the people who are directly with us or significant others or the people in our household and um we we always we always have this this thing where we beat our heads against the wall because it feels like, what are we doing? Like we're doing this and nothing. We don't see it anywhere else. It's like it's only the guys doing this. Why are only the guys doing the consideration thing for the people around them and putting themselves second? And then it's like, you know, maybe that's not right, right? So in the recent days and a lot of struggles that I'm going through and a lot of stuff I've been talking to Amanda about, I wonder if it's just. Maybe we're wrong. I don't know. Maybe we're wrong for being considerate. It's weird. It's a wild conversation. Like overly considerate, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like selfless. It's like, and then that can impact our ability to be not ours. And, you know, I'm I'm not putting myself into this, but like outside looking in that feels to me like I am. I have to be completely selfless and then not pay attention to my own needs or wants per se. Like those, yeah, I was going to say, who taught automatically. Don't yeah, know. because everyone taught you to be a protector and take care of everyone else. But did anyone also come in and say, take care of yourself? Did anyone say that was okay and teach you? Protector. Yeah. Not really. Didn't but it's funny. Like, when we do it, Rico, say, I mean, I don't know. Shut you, I'll, 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 I'll quit, like, hijacking, but... Um, it doesn't ever feel like I'm going out of my way. It feels very natural. And I'm never mad about being considerate. Actually, in most cases, I'm very proud of it. Like, you know, see, see an old lady carrying groceries. Go help her carry groceries. You know, that's, that's, that's the thing. You know, it's like I'm totally happy being that way. I'm proud to be that way. And I'd, I'd impress that on my son if I had a son. Like, the same way. Like, do that. You know, this is good. Um, 
but it's weird because we hit this conflict where it's like we feel like we're giving and we feel like we're not we're not getting we feel like we end up with a cup is very empty and we're standing there alone with the empty cup and it's it, it stems out of some of that i don't know i'll let you jump in rico i'm sorry i i have it's that's a tough it's a tough topic because I think we, people like us, we're overly considerate and there's no, uh, I don't think there's no level of considerate, like consideration from another person that can equal it, you know, because we give so, so, so much. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. And then when I go, you know what? I'm too considerate. I feel like I'm inconsiderate by saying that. <laughs> yes. Rough, right? Right? Yes. Yes. Heart well, I think the point there is that it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? It's just learning how to find the happy medium. And I know that sounds great, like as me saying that. I know there's a lot of work that goes into it, but that's, I mean, that's why we do what we do. And what we help people do is like those unhelpful thinking and limiting beliefs and the thinking patterns that we've been stuck in our whole lives for survival mostly, right? to take care of other people is this one, you know, it doesn't, you can still be a considerate person, but also make sure you fill your cup first and fill your extra little cup. We caught, I don't have two cups. Oh, my idea. Fill your cup first. Make sure there's enough in the reservoir. And if there is, you give this to other people. This is still yours. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have any in here, it's okay to set the boundary. Yes. And I think a big piece of this, and this isn't me, you know, we're all staying in our own lanes here and saying, okay, I feel like we have, we all have to learn what our own needs and wants are. And then the next step after that is to like, how in the world do I communicate that to somebody else? Because like, we can't read minds. And I hear you say, it's like almost our partners or other people in our life. It's like, okay, I feel like I'm not getting anything back, but how's, how am I relating with that? In what ways, you know, what would that look like if somebody was filling me back up? What would make up yeah. my cup? One day, maybe that'll be a thing I'll realize personally, because I, I just don't know how to see it. Like, I, it doesn't matter how bad of a day I'm having. It never matters. I could be sad. I could be depressed. I could be on the brink of emotional collapse. I could have a panic attack. Everything could be going wrong in my day. If I, if I walk into my house and I see my wife needs something, that all of that goes away immediately. Yeah. It's not even the thing I think about. I, it, the first they thing I'm gonna do to is take care of her. Don't even, never have to ask, never. It's just automatic. Yeah, it's like I don't know, I just, I'm sorry, Kelsey. I was just gonna say, I bet over time, it's almost, does it feel like this is like a question for you and your perspective. Is it like a slow burn? It's like over time, do you feel like you'll come to a place where you just, like, I don't want to call it a breakdown and that's none of my business, but like, do you feel like it builds up over time or do you feel like it doesn't even feel like a buildup? It just is that way. Which, which piece? Like for you and like how you feel like, okay, as days go on and I'm feeling like, okay, I had an awful day or something else happens and do you feel like those kind of things pile up for you and you just or kind of oh yeah to put them aside oh, yeah. absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. in my past they would lead to you know relatively destructive behavior um you know self-sabotage things like that I just look for whatever out maybe feel 
safe and happy and just you know mm-hmm. pure um everybody's different that's how it worked for me but yeah it's it's just interesting and i'm in this conflict personally as you know from what we've talked about so far so i want to kind of paint that picture into the way that like i'm thinking as a man and how i was raised and things that that came in and it's i'm in conflict where i i feel like i hear that i need to take care of myself more but i still feel very strongly that I will not take care of myself at the sacrifice of others. And if I see others are in need, to me, that's the sacrifice of others. Like it's, it's crazy because it's like, I hear it. I understand it. It makes total sense. The two cups, you know, the only given what you can give thing makes a lot of sense, but damn, is that impossible? I just don't know how to feel in the same space together. Like those two concepts, very all or nothing. It's it's not even that. It's not even like it has to be that way. It's just it's so natural. Like, and it feels good when I do stuff like that. Like me personally, when I help those people, when I help somebody around me or I'm considerate for someone, holding the door open for somebody, carrying the groceries for the lady walking across the street, um, it feels good. It feels like I'm doing my part as a human being and I'm and I'm I'm looking out for people that I can look out for because I'm capable. And I don't want to change that, but it it it's always at the sacrifice of something, almost always at the sacrifice of something, which is It's a weird dynamic. You know what I mean? I don't know. It is. It is. For me, it almost like brings up the word acceptance. Like, I have to accept that if I'm going to go out of my way to, like, I was already in the car, my car was started, and then I saw that I'm just going to keep using the old lady carrying groceries example. <laughs> and then I see this old lady that needs to walk across the street. And, you know, I, I'm i going to accept the fact that I'm going to be late to this next appointment, or I'm going to be late getting home with the groceries, or, or I might be a little frustrated that I went out of my way. Like, I, I have to balance those two things and make a conscious decision in the moment rather than being so, like, automatic about it, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, being more mindful in the moment of what we're doing and then how that's going to impact us later. Because, like you said, in the moment, you feel good about it. But afterward, you almost build resentment. Mm-hmm. No, it's, and that's the, yeah, that's the funny thing. It's never resentment until it's someone close to me. For me, it's never resentment for anything around me but when I'm at home or I'm around people that are close to me and I do the things and I feel like they're disregarding me doing the things you know and not that I need to that's not praise it's just like uh I don't know the best way to term it like it's like a it's like, like a, a mutual respect thing like a, a kind of like hey I'm considerate to you maybe you could shed that back to me maybe we could pair and be inconsiderate for each other kind of thing you know those are when I tend to run into the disdain, right? It's never the old lady carrying groceries. I'm gonna do that all day long. I'm gonna be done and be happy. She's I helped her. I'm gonna feel good that I did a good deed, you know. But when I come home and I'm stressed and I'm angry because of all these things going around in my life, and then I have to help my wife with something, I help my wife with something because I want to do that. And in most places, I feel good. But then when I feel like there isn't a return, it's like, wow, now I'm angry. Now I'm frustrated. Now I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. Why am I being so nice? Screw everything. Blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go run away and go do my own thing. But that never Kelsey, works. I think you me. said expectation. Like, you yeah. don't have an expectation with the little old lady because yeah. you want to do that and you wouldn't expect her to, to give you money for it or thank you. That's just something you would do selfless, selflessly. 
but you have this expectation that if I do these things for me, <laughs> for your wife, <laughs> that somehow I magically know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just building it, right? Like there's no disagreement here, but like somehow I know that I did that thing for you. So you should, I expect that you should know that in return, you should give me this. And then when you don't get that in return, that's where the resentment comes in. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, like, like with an expectation attached. It, yeah, it is. It's, it is. I think to a degree it is, uh, you know, it's, and I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know specifics. I don't, I don't know if it's best to dive into specific type things, but I'm trying to think of a good example. It's like, I don't know, Rico, help me out. Like we do something, you know, where we do it naturally consider it, but then we come back and the same isn't, isn't given in return, you know? My brain's fog and I can't think of a specific right, no, example. I, they happen all the time because I know I'm always like, me personally, I'm always like fired off on them. I'm like, come on. It's just um, certain situations, I guess. It's just the little things that you look for, you know? Um, like me personally, my girls, she has... She's a principal and she comes home and now she goes, to, she does her master's classes. So the expectation was, I don't expect too much from her because I know she's got a, she, a lot on her plate, but I'm, you know, being overly considerate to making sure that she doesn't have to do anything when she comes home. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm helping out any um, or answering what you're going for. What are you going for here, Thomas? No, no, I think. Um, you're no, right. no, keep going. You're, right you're on. The, yeah, I think you're yeah. you're on the track, man. Um, so now, um, now I'm froze. Where was I? I don't brain fart. So what's something so that you might like, like expect in return, but not necessarily communicate that? Like you're being considerate and taking care and doing all these things and not expecting too much, but then the, where does like resentment get built? I guess maybe is the question. Or frustration that you're not getting your. It's the little things. The water bowl is still empty <laughs> for the dogs. You know, I don't know. It's I don't know. It goes. I, I don't know. Water bowl's dead, bone dry. I've been away for hours. I come back home, the thing's bone dry still. It's kind of. It's the little things. I don't know. Little. Yeah. And is it more that's even spoken thing like? When you do things without them, the partner or the other individual communicating, hey, can you help me with this? Like verbally, is it more things that you feel like you go out of out of your way to do or things that you do without being directly asked? Does it cause that build up feeling or resentment feeling more? Um I feel like I build my own resentment because I know like if I give her time to be considerate, which I'm not saying she's an inconsiderate person or anybody is, but if I can do it, I go do it myself. So I might not give anybody time to be considerate for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I, that, it could be a thing, too. I could be just these self-inflicted wounds that I'm bringing upon myself. We know we do those a lot. Yeah. And that's not just men. Let me tell you, let me just normalize for you. That's not just men that we build these like self-fulfilling prophecies in our head or yeah, like you said, those self-inflicted wounds. And then we wonder why we're hurt all the time. And it's like, maybe, maybe I got to look at myself here and adjust what I'm doing. But at the same time, Kelsey made a good point, like the communicating. Yeah. Like, are we keeping it all up here? 
and getting frustrated of what we're not communicating. For me, most of the time. I'm a great I like to think. You are. Say that again, Rico. I'm sorry. I like to think I'm a great communicator, I think. And then, I mean, and sometimes what I see, and this is, could be apples to oranges too, but something that came into my head that I, you know, have touched on in my own work with people. And like we said, not just men, but a lot of these behaviors, assumptions, or automatic thoughts or reactions are coming from a place where our brain was used to leaning on those things when, because everything around us was dysfunctional. And then if we fast forward and put us into right now, not that everything's functional and perfect now, but we're not in the same situations that we used to be where those behaviors and the mindset perspective, whatever, um, it's not serving us the same purpose anymore. So we're doing it, still doing it, and we're still doing it, we're still doing it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. like, it gives you that feeling, like you said, of like hitting your head off of. Yeah, yeah, and it's. I feel like I'm only hitting my head off of them now because I realize what they are, you know, but, I, but at the same time, it's like, for me, I think I'm, a, I feel like I am a good communicator, but I realize the results of my communication are always terrible. I never get it across the way that I'm meaning to get it across. So I'm like, yeah, I talk, I express, I'm always there in my mind. I'm saying everything that, I, you know, all my feelings, everything that I want to express is coming out, but it never yields the results. You know, and I've grown to this like bad habit of like getting into these long winded conversations where I repeat myself over and over again, because I'm just like, until I see you get it, I want to keep saying it. So I make sure I'm saying it. Okay. Um, But that's hard. Honestly, like the, like the small things relative to like, okay, I'm, I'm considerate. You know, I want to make sure the old lady gets her groceries in her car. I'm going to keep going back to that analogy because it's a, it's a good one. um, I don't, I don't say um, I'm not feeling good. I'm this, I'm that, but I'm going to get, I'm going to help you do this. And I just want you to understand that I don't feel good. I'm never going to do that because it's very uncomfortable. And then on the flip side, I'm never going to tell the old lady, I need her help carrying my groceries in. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, 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 it's weird. It's like this crazy catch 22 because like I can communicate it. But I don't know how. I don't, you know. I, I don't know how I don't to like to do to do the thing that would make me feel uncomfortable to do, knowledge yeah. or to say. It's like, a, yeah, and it, it, you want to you want to try to communicate how you feel, but at the same time, like the biggest thing, and this is where I you know I've struggled before because I've I've tied it into this whole understand me, understand who I am, and uh, it's like you, you see that I'm being considerate. You know, and my expectation is know that the best way to to communicate with me in that light is to be the same in return. So, like, if I, you know, if I, you see that I'm always doing X thing, I'm always doing this chore around the house, or I'm always, you know, at work, I'm always doing this duty, and you know, others around me, you know, be on the same playing field with me, be be a partner, be a teammate, be be a you know a parallel peer, be a a peer in life, and um you know, be considerate in the same aspect, right? Because everybody can't, no one person can do the same thing all the time. And people need to share the load, right? And that's kind of what this, like the over overarching topic of mental health encompasses, right? We all have to share the load. And that's, you know, yeah. I saw Rico kind of light up when you said, 
you're never going to carry the, or ask the old lady to carry groceries for you when he turned his mic back on. I didn't know if he had a thought. I just wanted you guys hear me laugh at that. That's all. Oh. <laughs> like, okay. yes. yes, absolutely. We would never say these things. No, never going to happen. Never. Is there any, anything never for you, Rico, that's like resonating as he's talking? Or No, not at the moment, but I, I understand. I do. Very <laughs> yeah. much nails it, though, you know? So can we, can we, can I, would you, would you mind, would everybody mind if I shift this a little bit? Absolutely. So I want to talk to, to some of the, some of the lights. So some of the things that I mentioned in the last time we did one of the men's mental health talks is, is ways to, to promote and to encourage and to try to drive, which is the, the thing that I personally, openly and passionately want to do is want men to feel comfortable to talk about what's bothering them because I think, I think men need it, at least in, in all of this, the circles of life that I've experienced. And a lot of the things that I read and I research are, um, we need to find a ways to create the safe net. And one of the good ways to do that, and one of the best ways I think to do that is to promote each other, like to, to look at each other and say, hey, you're a king, you're, you're, you're a brother, you're a king, and it doesn't matter what you do, you need to thrive. And, and Rico's a hell of an example of that, you know, because like, you know, I'm not going to share details on his stuff. He can share what he wants to, but. I want to give you some opportunity to kind of talk about that experience in your life of coming from the things you came from and the background and some of the struggles and some of the adversities you've overcome to get into a place where you've balanced yourself. You found a center to some degree, you know, you're, you're becoming, you're becoming a version of yourself. I think that you've been wanting to be, you know, and, and you're thriving, you know, to so the fact that you, you, like you mentioned earlier, you started, you started your own company. You have your own company now. Like talk about that experience and that growth and what that means for you and, and, how it feels? Um, it feels great, uh, especially what I've come from, the bad situations I put myself into, which put me at a rock bottom state. Let's just say that's one of my motivations that brought me to where I am today. And then, um, so there's there's pretty much two things I guess you can say, and it's just now coming to me. One is where I was rock bottom. I did spend a little time where I didn't need to and growing up and and wanting to be the opposite of what my father was to my family so I know who I don't want to be and I know where I don't where I don't get my my want to end up (laughs) you're good want to end up where I don't want to go back so you know so on and so forth so, um, rock bottom was it though. Rock bottom showed me mental health, I guess. I had all the time in the world to think about everything from my first memory as a child to where I want to be 10 years from that day, you know? And it just, uh, it took me on a better path. It took me on a better path. And I ran into people like you and Man Down. And now, I surround myself with good company as well. So I'm on a good path. It feels good. And it was rough, but I made it. Rico, um, so for the purposes of the show, people know Man Down as Man Down Men's Mental Health. They don't know the backstory. Uh, so you're saying hey, I met people like Tommy and Man Down? 
I honestly Go think ahead. it's a good opportunity. No, 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 no. I want you to, because I, you know, I'll speak on that all day long, and I'm gonna have opportunities to. But I want you to talk about what that meant, because that's something. You know, the reason we called it Man Down has some, it has some, it has some volume, it has some weight, and some some background behind it, and it and it fits and it works. But you talk about what Man Down is and what it means. Man Down's a brotherhood. It was a football team at first. It was a getaway from the things I was doing in my life and didn't want to deal with. So I go play football, you know, and go have fun and meet this group of guys that I barely even knew. But uh, playing football and seeing them guys every week, it just, they were a lot of those over there. They grew up together. They knew each other already. They were their brothers and they accepted me into their family. And eventually I just stuck around and I didn't go nowhere. I'm still here. Um, but it was awesome. I surrounded myself with a better group of people. I seen what they were doing with their lives, and I kind of wanted to be surrounded with those type of people. Yeah, and expanding on that just a little bit, like it's it's been interesting what man down and Rico chime in any any point you think I'm wrong or you want to jump in and expand on any piece. But it's been interesting what it's what it's been over the years because the idea behind it was a group of guys a group of people who decided to, to create a football team together. Not be, not just because we wanted to play football, just because we were, we wanted to be around each other. You know, we wanted to spend time with our brothers and we wanted to bond and we wanted to be in that safe place, that place where we felt like we could be our true selves all the time. And it never was, it, it never was defined as that, you know, but it always was that it's always been that, you know, some of the best moments with, with that family has been nowhere near a football field. You know, that's just something we do because we enjoy it. A lot of the best times in that has been in the struggles. It's been in places where people were having hard times and we were able to have that, that safety net to, to build each other up. You know, that idea of, Hey, we can pick each other up. We can do this together. Right. We we've gone through some of those things, you know, <clears throat> where just a simple day at the bar with all the guys, just being with each other, talking about all the things that are bothering us, you know, venting, going off, whatever, getting it out. It's one hell of a therapy session. It's always been. And we've created this like crazy bond and, you know, and it's just, it's translating and it's turning into more things. That's why when you, when Amanda and Kelsey, when you were willing to name this man down mental health is the series that it fits, it fits more than I think I can ever explain. And, you know. When Rico said I found man down, the word I heard was community. And then as you guys were talking about like your journeys and healing and where you've been like finding your path in life from through them with the support of them, it brings me back like years ago when I went to an opiate conference and they were talking about um, one of the most crucial factors in recovery is now this is going to sound like a pivot spirituality, which does not have to be faith, does not have to mean a God or church or religion, but that they also tie AA and fellowship into that. So when I heard you say I found man down, I heard community, I heard fellowship. Like I found a group of people that I fit in, that we all met mutual goals and started to work toward those and supported each other in our goals. Oh, they were supporting me and they didn't even know it. I apologize. No, 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 no. no. Um, man down supported me and they didn't even know what they were doing in the beginning, you know, like when we first met and whatnot. And I wasn't there for the creation, so to speak, Tommy. I came right after. Oh, I know. I know. Right. But, you know, after. it's funny because a lot of people have come and gone and we've seen, you know, it's been around for um, 
what, 10 years, I think, 11 years now, 12 years? A lot of people come and gone, but it just expands, you know, and it's, it's created that thing, you know, me, me and Rico, you know, one of the things that kind of get to the, to the, to the end point and something we had talked about before, it's actually, he's, he's helping me kick off that, that idea of doing that, that thing that we're calling a King's weekend, where we're going to start, we're going to start doing this and hopefully build it over time, you know, and open the doors to, to anybody who wants to be part of that community and get away with the guys, go golf for a weekend, you know, just be with each other, help build each other up, talk about how we can help each other succeed, how we can help each other feel better about situations that they're having hard times with, things like that. It's exciting. Lots to come. I love this. We could seriously talk all day, and I'm so thankful that you guys are so willing and vulnerable because I know that's difficult for anyone to do. It's difficult for anyone to get on camera. <laughs> and talk to people let alone talk about your feelings and talk about your trauma and talk about their vulnerabilities and then add being a male in American culture on top of that so like I just with all the love in the world I just like could throw it to you thank you because I know this isn't easy um and also I know what discomfort like working through discomfort does for people so I hope you get that benefit out of it too on the other side of like doing this because I know it wasn't comfortable for you Rico and I know it's not comfortable for my husband every time but you know it's one of those things well, I'm, like, doing, I'm, I'm doing this the whole time just <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's like a mountain and once you climb it and get to the top you're like yes like I didn't think I could do it but I did it um but we could literally talk forever but I know you know for our listeners sake you know when I listen to a podcast I don't want to go over an hour because I'll start to get burnt out but Rico is there anything any like mantras or anything that like you want to just leave the audience with? Um, some, we always ask. You don't, you know, yeah. If there's any like saying that you have that kind of keeps you going, or anything to fellow men out there with their mental health. Just keep your head up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's short and simple. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes. You're welcome. No I'm Rico. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. brother. Um. We had planned for our next Man Down Mental Health um, series to be on March 28th. However, we have a conflict with scheduling. So the next one will be on April 25th. 25th, thank you. Um, so on 3:28, Kelsey and I will fill that slot either with another guest or we'll, you'll just get us to talking about whatever we decide to talk about that day. So I just wanted to make sure our listeners knew because I know we already put the schedule out. So don't forget to like, comment, subscribe um, so you don't miss um, the future episodes. And please comment and let us know your feedback. If you have any questions, you know, whatever the guys are willing to respond, we will definitely get that back to you. Any ideas for future episodes, let us know. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. Take care. Thank you. Bye.